0: the ways in which pride can be so sneaky for helpers. Like I'm the helper, I'm the one that does the help and I don't need help. And that is such a slippery slope for so many of us because the reality is, is we are human, we are imperfect. Um, we have, you know, these various areas of who we are, our, our our biological makeup, our psychological makeup, our spiritual makeup, our social makeup, you know, these parts of who we are are, are imperfect. We are not machines. And there are seasons and times in our life where we are oh, invited um, to move into that space of humility and recognizing that we are worth the care and tenderness and um, need to take care of ourselves as much as we care for other people. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're
1: listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, mental health, and wellness, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. This podcast episode is brought to you by UHSM HealthShare, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current healthcare, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.uhsm.com. Hey friend, welcome back. So glad you could join us today for another episode on the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. You know, a couple months ago, I put out a poll and a question on Instagram asking, you know, what are some of the things that are causing you the most anxiety right now? And some of the responses that I got reoccurringly was actually about caregiving and having to help others or being in a position of having to help others and having a hard time finding help and spaces of support for yourself. So, you know, if you have found yourself in a position as a caregiver or in a profession like pastoring, counseling, therapy, social work, or the medical field, or just tend to be that person who everyone goes to but has a hard time turning to others for your own support, this episode is for you. And today we have returning guest Holly Oxhandler in this episode and her new book, the soul of the helper Holly shows caregivers and fellow helpers, a more self-compassionate way to cope with overwhelming responsibilities and to attend to their own needs, particularly when it comes to your mental health and spiritual journey. We're talking about, you know, reframing this idea that seeking help alludes to failure or weakness. Or disqualifies us in some way where the line is between responsible self-care and like actual selfishness and so much more this is definitely the conversation i needed years ago (laughs) especially for those who may feel guilty for taking care of themselves or taking space or setting boundaries for yourself all the while having to juggle the responsibility of caring for others We definitely want to have that conversation here. So for those who aren't familiar, Dr. Holly Oxhandler is the Associate Dean for Research and Faculty Development and an Associate Professor at Baylor University School of Social Work. Holly studies religion and spirituality, health and mental health, and is especially interested in whether and how mental and behavioral health therapists discuss their clients' beliefs and treatment. She's written for numerous academic journals, and her research has been featured in The Washington Post, Consumer Affairs, Religion News Services, and so much more. She also co-hosts the weekly podcast CXMH, Christianity and Mental Health, and lives in Waco, Texas with her family. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Holly hey guys welcome to another episode of the faith and mental wellness podcast super excited for today's conversation because we have back our friend and special guest dr holly oxhandler how are you doing
0: today holly hey Brittany, i am doing well i'm so so honored and grateful to be here with you today thank you so much for having me
1: absolutely i always love having these conversations with you um for those who aren't familiar we had another conversation episode 45 how how called how faith and therapy integrate into mental health treatments it's one of my favorite conversations Mm. we talked about things like should christians only see a christian therapist how can faith and therapy integrate into mental health treatments and what does the data show about the benefits of including someone's faith in therapy so i definitely recommend you guys check that episode out after listening to this one so thank you always for sharing your time and insights with us holly
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And so I loved that conversation and, you know, to our, our listeners, I, you know, you and I just had a nice little chat before, you know, hitting the record button and it really is fun to be back on the show. So yeah, I'm really glad to be here.
1: You're home here. So (laughs) you uh, just Released your new book, The Soul of the Helper. And I'm really, really excited for this. And I think this is an important conversation. When I was polling and asking listeners here and others on my social media channels about some of the things that create the most anxiety for them, one of those things was having difficulty finding the balance between like being overextended with people while still having a heart to help. and 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 with caregiving right the um Yeah. The burnout that can come with that. And for those who are just helpers who like to help others, finding that balance. And so I know that your book is about showing caregivers and fellow helpers a more self-compassionate way to cope with overwhelming responsibilities and to attend to their own needs, you know, particularly when it comes to their mental health and spiritual journey. And so I was hoping you could just let us know a little bit more um, about the book and why you chose to write this and then to take the conversation from there.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, yeah, I am so, so excited for this book to be, you know, shifting out from mm-hmm. this little corner in my house that I've been working on it for the last like four years or so oh, um, wow. to finally be able to, you know, move this out to fellow helpers, who are serving others. And, you know, and as you mentioned, these helpers that, um, that, that I'm writing to include those everyday folks like parents and caregivers and mental health care providers and faith leaders and, um, you know, medical doctors and teachers. I mean, each of us to one way in one way, shape or form are, you know, caring for and serving others Uh, around us. And so, you know, as you mentioned that, that, that load with caregiving, like it is a gift to care for others Mm -hmm. in the ways that we have been uniquely wired and designed to care for others. Um, And at the same time, we know that when caregivers are caring beyond their capacity, they do inch toward burnout. So, Mm -hmm. um, so really, I mean, this book, the, the heartbeat behind it is In part to um, better understand, really to better understand this intersection of faith and mental health that you and I care so deeply about, um, because it really was born out of that research that I had been doing and recognizing this intersection in this area of our lives and how, even though I was doing this research with mental health care providers, I really quickly began to realize, oh my gosh. This is not just for mental health care providers, but right. this data and this information, it really is for the everyday helper um, that is, you know, going out and serving others. So Um, So really at the, at the heart of the why I got to a point from doing this research that I, I could no longer not write this book, to be honest. Like I, um, it has been wobbly (laughs) and it's been a very different um, learning curve as compared to the research articles that, you know, that I'm, I'm more accustomed to writing, but the ability to sit with the research and let it transform me to be honest and to wrestle with it um, into what we now have with this book is just, I mean, it's a gift. So. Absolutely. Um, And you're
1: a gift and I really love the work that you do just as someone like, who's kind of, I mean, not as long as you, but has been in academia, like academic writing is completely different than book writing. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And being able to translate that in a way that does speak to the soul and is a real world, real life experience, I really think is a gift. So I appreciate you taking the time to intentionally create that space. And um, that being said, you know, the first thing that I think about is this quote from Brene Brown. It's one of my favorites where she says, it's as Mm. if we've divided the world into those who help and those who need help. But the truth is that we're both, you know, Mm. and I think that we do do that even with ourselves, you know, like I'm the helper, you know, I'm the one who helps. And maybe there are reasons why we've become, we've come to be that person. Maybe we one had parents who were going through things where we had to step up, you know and kind of be the adult mm-hmm. or help mm-hmm. you know our parents or siblings there could be that dynamic or maybe you were just the type of person who like for me ever since I was a teen like I was just the friend that my friends always came to for help mm-hmm. cuz it could just be like mm-hmm. your personality um people just latch to you they just know they yeah. can you um or you're in a situation where someone really does depend on you for dire help like a caregiver like a mental health professional what have you um and so for those who have really come to find their identity and worth and value in being the helper like i am the Mm -hmm. one who helps sometimes there's that backlash of like therefore i can't i can't be fully seen and known and flawed you know Mm -hmm. um because that could discredit me or whatever it is. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to talk about allowing that space for humanity and for support, even for helpers. Um, yes. what are your thoughts on yeah. that?
0: Yeah, gosh, that is such a, um, a, a great observation. A and I love the way that you <laughs> No, I love that you, the way that you kind of threaded that together. Um, because I think you're right that helpers, Oftentimes, and I do write about this in the book, the ways in which pride can be so sneaky for helpers, you know, and I'm not talking about like a grounded sense of being proud of yourself for doing something, but that pride that you are alluding to with like, I'm the helper, I'm the one that does the help and I don't need help. And that is such a slippery slope for so many of us, because the reality is, is we are human we are imperfect. Um, we have, you know, as I know you care very much about this too, but these various areas of who we are, our, our, our biological makeup, our psychological makeup, our spiritual makeup, Mm -hmm. our social makeup, you know, these parts of who we are, are, are imperfect. We are not machines. And there are seasons and times in our life where we are, Oh, invited um, to move into that space of humility and recognizing that we are worth the care and tenderness and um, need to take care of ourselves as much as we care for other people and, and truthfully, that if we are not Taking care of ourselves, if we're not learning to receive help, it really can negatively impact the ways and ability to care for others well. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's really something that I'm hoping, um, that as folks are reading this book, that they hear that. And, and for me, it gets to primarily that intersection between our spirituality and our mental health, and that that's a big part of where it starts. Um, and recognizing that, you know, I think we talked about this on the last episode that, um, at least 80% of us are going to meet a diagnosable mental health um, condition at some point in our lives. Mm. And that when it comes to our spirituality, We know that uh, the vast majority of adults in the United States consider their faith, their religion, their spirituality to be important to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's around 77%. And we know that about nine out of 10 uh, believe in a higher power or God. And these two, I mean, we just, they're such important parts of who we are. And again, as helpers, um, we have to recognize that how important this intersection is for us, especially in those seasons when our pride um, begins to crumble and we, we realize like we can't just keep serving nonstop. We have to learn to slow down, um, to be able to see the sacred within ourselves, um, again, so that we can then go out and actually see it in others and serve in others. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that spark, um, so anyways, yeah. I just, I really love that you, t- you elevated that area of pride. Cause I know that I know that for helpers, that is so hard, especially when there is no room for them to even slow down and to recognize that, um, that they are giving nonstop, um, yeah. no, no room to recognize the potential risks of that.
1: Oh yeah. Thank you so much for for sharing all that and also recapping that data cuz I think that's so important yeah. and that's why I'm so passionate about this intersectionality of faith and mental health. It's like no matter what you believe, research shows that when people's faith is considered, it helps them get better. Like, so yeah, that's, that's right. just it. Right. That's so right. we want to talk yeah. about the whole per- the whole person, you know, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate what you were saying about um just uh recognizing and inviting in the the need for support and that you're worthy of support. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something I really had to learn. Um, it, I was yeah. kind of forced into that situation when I found myself a newly single mom, not knowing mm-hmm. where I was going to live, not knowing the direction of work, like really just aimless. And it was like when mm-hmm. I was in that space, I was forced to detach myself from this idea of being just the person who is what I am to others because in that time I needed I needed help and support myself <laughs> mentally mm-hmm. emotionally spiritually yeah. you know and I think going through something like that it helped me get into the practice of being supported and allowing myself to be supported yes. but I think we really struggle yes. because it's like really it's us. We are our own blocks where we don't allow ourselves to be supported by other people. It's not necessarily that there aren't other people who are willing to support or who are around to support, but it's really more so ourselves and that we won't let ourselves Mm -hmm. be supported. And I think that for anyone who's listening, who tends to get locked into that habit, I think it's one that should be broken as far as like, recognizing okay where are your safe spaces who are your safe people or maybe it is starting out with a counselor or therapist and get in the habit of letting yourself be supported um it's the healthiest thing ever
0: like for my life yeah Yeah. No, I, I hear you and I'm so proud of you in hearing the ways that you have had to learn that. I don't think that you are alone because I think that there are a lot of implicit and explicit messages around us that bolster that sense that messaging around like, Oh, no, no, no. You just keep going. You don't, you don't slow down. You don't, you know, it's selfish to, um, to need to take care of yourself. But like the reality is, is that we're human. And, And when we have to find ways to take care of ourselves, you know, we, we need sleep we need social connection. Mm -hmm. We need, you know, to pay attention to the foods that we take in that I know you're really passionate about that too. Um, anyways, like there's, yes, I, it's so good, but, but you're so, you know, you're right. Like we do, we really do need to be paying attention to these areas and, and in truthfully, my fear is that if we do get to a place where um, we, you know, we have given all that we have within us,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: my fear is that what we end up drawing on from that well is exhaustion and yeah. burnout and um, irritability. And that is what the people around us, I'm, I'm worried that that's what the people around us are receiving from us. And that pattern of pain being distributed is, is so Like we've, uh, we, we, I I really think that's some of the most important work that we have to do to be able to reverse that and not continue to perpetuate it, um, yeah, throughout, you know, so, but, um, oh, there was something you had just said that, oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, You know, I hear you saying that, like, you really had to learn that over the years. And I know too, that, that that's been very similar for me In that, you know, I've, I've had to learn. That through my own journey that I do write about in this book, and and some of those lessons have come from you know what I've learned through mental health treatment, and some mm-hmm. of those lessons have been woven in through my spiritual journey um, as someone who identifies as a Christian. You know, I, I do write in this book and and link to the number of times that Jesus, you know, calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And for all of the ways that we, you know, we, we really emphasize on that first part, the loving our neighbors. But my fear again, is that if we are not learning how to love ourselves, then we really need to be thinking about like, how is it that we are loving our neighbors If we are loving our neighbors as ourselves and not loving ourselves well or caring for ourselves well, then what does that love look like to others? And is it really love or is it conditional with strings attached? And, um, yeah. Anyways, those are just some of the things that, yeah, I, I kind of think through a little bit in this. So
1: today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient You know, between school, work, and really just having someone. To check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So, what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line. Okay, if you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation absolutely so. I, that's and i i just want to draw off of that you know yeah what, what encouragement might you have for someone who whether they implicitly or explicitly feel and think this way who equate seeking support and being supported or being vulnerable with failure weakness and disqualification mm. you know maybe this is someone who is again used to being a helper or is a leader maybe is a faith leader or is a figure in some way or is just someone who's highly regarded and looked up to in their surroundings or their community um and just really struggles with you know seeking support because somewhere in their mind that is equated to their failure their weakness and their disqualification for what they're doing and that's not mm-hmm. what stops them from being vulnerable Like what encouragement might you have for someone who has framed it in this way for themselves?
0: Yeah, no, gosh, I'm so glad that you asked that question, Brittany. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, first I, I want to say to the person who is listening, who is feeling that or hearing that narrative um, just a sense of grief, like a, a, mm. a grieving and a solidarity of grief over the that you have picked up that narrative because I have too over the yeah. years, and I know many of us have. And um, you know, and and what's re- what I especially grieve is that oftentimes we hear that narrative more loudly than the narrative around you are my beloved. You, I care about you, I love you, I created you as you are. And and we hear this narrative that we have to keep hustling or performing or perfecting in ways that discredit that messaging of being the beloved. And so I would say the encouragement to, to begin with would just be to communicate to those who are listening that they are worth the love and care that they extend to so many others, that their life is a gift and it is worth tending to, um, and caring for to the best of their ability. I know that that messaging is real and we hear it. And, you know, and I also know that there are stories in the Bible where Jesus retreated, You know, Jesus was not giving nonstop the whole way through, and you know, and I and and I am grateful for all the ways that we have learned that Mm -hmm. Jesus gave and performed miracles and healed. Um, but but Jesus also retreated before and after intense moments of service, and so I wanted to offer that as a way to kind of counter, um, the narrative around needing to retreat or take care of yourself or rest as being failure because that is not what is modeled when we see how Jesus has been, uh, with others in forms of service. Amen. So, yeah, yeah. I always say like, it doesn't
1: mean you're less of a Christian. It just means you're You're right. You're a human being having a human experience. And that was something I had to reframe for myself. You know, it was like, no, I'm a human being having a human experience that is a part of life. I, and I am allowed the process to go through this and be supported, you know? And mm-hmm. so – um that's absolutely something that we have to reframe. um,
0: Yeah. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't tell other people, you know, like we also have to think about like, what would we say to someone else if they were coming up and telling us their situation? Like, you know, hopefully we would be communicating things like, around needing to take care of themselves or seek help or, you know, lean on their resources that are available to them or, um, you know, seek additional resources, et cetera. Um, like we, we would encourage others to do that. And so the same is true for us that we are worth those resources and those things that we need, um, to navigate that human experience that you were just talking about. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it is so important to experience what we're preaching. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I I, I love what you were saying earlier because in my experience as well, it's, it's in being supported and letting others support me that actually helped me better understand how to support others. Right. Because
0: that's where you
1: learn, like, that's where you learn, like, what was helpful for you to get back on your feet or like what was not helpful, right? Some people serve it right. as an example of like what not to do. <laughs> those are yes, still lessons to learn, like yes. how not mm-hmm. to respond, right? We've all had those experiences where it's like we sought support and someone showed us exactly like what not to do or what not to mm-hmm. say. And mm-hmm. even that's learning experience. And then we have others who was like, showed us that this was actually helpful, like this was actually effective. And that I think even makes us better supporters of others is allowing ourselves that experience of being supported and seeing what actually helps and what is maybe less helpful. And you kind of talk about this, I think, in your overview of the seven stages of seeking the sacred within yourself so that you can see it in Mm -hmm. others. And I was wondering if you can explain that a little bit more, um, because I think that ties in
0: pretty nicely to everything that we're saying here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you mean just about the overview in general, like these just about the seven stages and yeah, like what, what does it mean? They to, are. And
1: yeah, like, what does it mean to seek the sacred within yourself? So
0: you can see it in others. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, um, so as, so I'll start with this by just noting that, you know, as I was doing this research, looking at this intersection of faith and mental health, um, and particularly among mental health care providers, I found that these mental health care providers, and I think we talked about this last time, so Mm -hmm. forgive me, it's just a review session for those who already (laughs) listened to that one. Yeah, Um, but so the mental health care providers who had, who are more motivated to live out their faith, they tended to be um, more likely to have positive views and actually integrate their client's faith into mental health treatment. Um, and so as I like really wrapped my head around that research, there was a theory that bubbled up, uh, that I ended up calling namaste theory, um, in honor of, um, the hindi term namaste which literally translates to mean i bow to you but more generally we've seen it be translated to mean the sacred in me recognizes the sacred in you or the divine in me or the god in me recognizes the the god in you um and i spent some time reading more about this term so that i could better understand it from the cultural roots that it had originated from um but understanding this sense of the sacred in me recognizes the sacred in you really brought order, not only to the research that I was doing with these mental health care providers, yeah. but as I really began to understand and think through how this extends to everyday helpers, the reality is is, is that we have to spend this time to actually recognize the sacred within ourselves in order to see it in others. And, um, but there's a lot of things that get in the way of being able to recognize it within ourselves. Like, you know, this high speed pace that we are operating in and that go, go, go culture that, you know, is just embedded within so much of what we do these days. Um, and while we, you know there may be seasons that we you know temporarily need to operate at a higher speed pace because of current situations or circumstances um what i what i am hoping that we move away from is this being like a state of being for right. us um just that constant going so so this idea then of seeking the sacred is and and through these these seven stages which i'll i can go through briefly but um is really learning how how to recognize how to see how to discern and connect with that divine spark within us that was prepackaged within us that we did nothing to earn or hustle for or we didn't need to prove ourselves for it just was within us from the moment we took our first breath. Um, and yet we, I think lose sight of that as we are giving and serving and doing and helping and, and they are good things that we get to do to help and serve others. Um, but yeah. that way of being of constantly doing for others can take us away from recognizing that divine spark that's within us. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's that I pause like, there. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, it's like it's that made in God's image, you know? Mm-hmm. You that's that's what I think of when you say all that. It just goes back to that. Yeah.
0: Made in God's image. That's ex- Yes. And that's exactly, that is exactly what I referred to in yeah. this book. And that this idea is, you know, that it is woven within the Christian tradition, the Jewish tradition, but also many other traditions that there is something divine when, within the human, um, that is unique and that it is good. And, um, and it's worth paying attention to it and, and, and holding yeah. space for and connecting with. Um, so, so anyway, so all that to say in these seven stages, they really are a way that they are not linear, even though, you know, when you write a book, you can't really like, make it a, you know, a, a spiral image or anything, but you have to, you know, as much as possible kind of create some kind of structure, um, to invite the reader to move through. Um, and so the first stage, um, well, I'll go through, I'll just name them first and then I'll kind of quick summarize. So the first one is called speed. The next one is slow and then steady, still, see shift and serve. And the, the way that these are threaded together is that, um, I'm wanting readers to wake up to the speed at which they are operating and why they have been operating at that speed for as long as they have, um, to then slow down and to become steady enough by creating that scaffolding that's needed to remain at a slower pace in order to get to a point where we can be still enough, So that we can see the sacred within before we then shift out, um, from recognizing the belovedness within ourselves to shifting and seeing that in others. And then from that place of understanding our belovedness, um, serving from that place, rather than from the place of like hustling for our worth. So that's kind of the, the general like umbrella of those seven stages,
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I love this so much. And what came to mind also Mm -hmm. is like, there are those of us maybe who are listening or have experienced this where it's like, they don't see the worth in themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, um, they and it's really hard to find maybe because of upbringing or things that have been said over people yes and and, you know I've and then you know I hear a lot of talk about like you have to love yourself to love others and I'm wondering like what your thoughts are around the conversation as far as like actually sometimes it it starts with the support like it starts with inviting in the support of others inviting in the love of others and allowing that space for others to do that that actually can help mold your view of experiencing and understanding that you actually are worth, you know, the sacred yeah. space of being held, loved, and supported. And that for some of you, it might not, it might not start with you at first, but still right. it's happening simultaneously, maybe, you know, yeah. and that's yep. also the yep. importance of being supported. So you can experience what that feels like, and you can experience that you are worth that because maybe it's hard to conjure for yourself
0: yeah yeah, no, I, I completely hear you. And I think in part, you know, that's one reason why I had, you know, added that preface that like, this is not yeah. a perfectly linear journey. Right. This is, we're going to, we're going to hop from one stage to another, and then back. And we're going to lean on, mm-hmm. um, practices and reflections from each of them throughout the, the journey. Um, and it's also why, you know, the way that it's set up is that that C chapter is not until the, the fifth stage. Um, I mean, there are many other in terms of, you know, under the study chapter is where I do talk about receiving support from others and learning, learning how to do that. Because right. for those of us who have been helping and serving others for so long, we literally don't know how to receive support from others. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's really hard, or I don't want to say literally don't know. It's just very difficult, yeah. um, to do that, like to, to receive that because, you know, because there, there, there are messages that we have to, um, critically think through and, you know, we can't always do that on our own and we have to, um, to move into that space of recognizing our inherent worth. And that is not an overnight thing. That's, you know, there is this, this messiness to that journey. So, yeah. So to those listeners who are certainly thinking through, like, Oh, I just, I don't feel that worth. And, you know, I don't want these, these stages by any means to form, you know, any layers of shame. And in fact, I, I really push up against shame and how we use shame in a toxic way, um, over the years that is, is just, um, it's really moving us away from this recognition of the sacred within ourselves. So, um, so I would, I would hope that if those who are, you know, kind of, still wrestling with those feelings, you know, I would say that you are not alone, that that is part of the human condition and um, something that I'm hoping that, you know, that again, that these stages can help us to really think through so that we do move to a place of recognizing that we are beloved, that we do have inherent worth, that that divine spark is within us. And again, that we did nothing um, to earn that. It just Mm -hmm. is part of who we are.
1: Yeah, I love, the, I love this, uh, again, practicing those core beliefs, right? It's like if you're someone who has the core belief, I'm the helper, you know, yeah. I- including that both and inspe- instead of letting it be so black and white. So instead practicing this idea of I can be a helper and I'm also worthy of being the one who is yes. helped, you know? So including yes, that in right. the beliefs in the thought language of yourself. Um yeah. and
0: that being said, and
1: oh, uh-huh. go ahead. Good. Ahead.
0: <laughs> well, I was just gonna say yes. So, like, there's and one one thing I do want to really emphasize is like through these chapters, like there are practices that I guide the reader through, so that there are there, you know, yeah. I I mean, I think I have like I I have a background in training with cognitive behavioral therapy, so there certainly are some, you know, some um behavior uh behavioral practices and opportunities to be reflective. Of our thoughts as well, um, and our emotions. But it, woven within each of these chapters are these, you know, prompts. There are reflection questions. There are practices that invite the reader to really think through and and work through, and embody truly embody these these different stages. Um, recognizing again, this isn't an overnight, like this isn't something that we can just snap our fingers and uh, move through, but this is what we will be wrestling with. You know, this is part of, of the human condition and the journey that we, that we go through, but, um, but there are practices. I just wanted to elevate that too, that, that really help to support the reader through these stages. we
1: love good practical advice here.
0: I think, I think in the
1: faith world, a lot of us have just heard a lot of abstract and spiritual things, and yes. which is great. It serves its purpose, but then um, really finding that balance with practicality. And so I'm glad that you – that's included and you have that as I know you to be so helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I guess my last question in closing um, is – you know, where do you think the line is between like responsible self-care and like, taking care of yourself and selfishness? I think that's blurred for people. And then it gets super blurred when you add spiritual language into it. <laughs> mm. um, and so yeah. what, where do you think that line or that balance between the two looks like, or how do the two look differently to you? Um, mm-hmm. What is that line to you?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question, Brittany, and it's one that you know. I know you and I, uh, in the spaces that we're in, sometimes there's there's not always an easy answer for yeah. some questions, and I think this is one where yeah. um, I think that individuals you really have to do. I think it's important that that we do our own inner reflective work around most importantly, like, what do we need? Like, what do we as individuals need? So listener, as you are hearing some of this, like for you to spend some time and think about what it is that you need and to realistically tend to those needs. Um, and I'm not, you know, when I talk about needs, I mean, like thinking about how many hours, of sleep that you're getting or how much, yes, yes, very basic needs, um, how much water that you're drinking or, you know, how you are connecting with your spiritual journey, whatever that may look like for you, um, how you are receiving support for your mental health journey and other things like that. But, um, but I think that that distinction between like selfish versus like self-care, I think that can, That doesn't feel like it's something that um, I would say is ours to necessarily project onto others, but I would hope that individuals would spend more time tuning inward to figure out what it is for themselves and to discern Mm -hmm. that and to meet their own individual unique needs to the best of their ability.
1: Yeah. That's going to be different for everybody according to your needs and your time and your responsibilities as well. You know, um, so, and
0: resources and location and I mean, and community, I mean, there's so many layers to that, that make it really complicated, but, Mm -hmm. um, but it's worth doing that inner work to figure out and to, to meet those needs to the best. Yeah.
1: Cause we're no help to anyone if we're broken or burnt out like that it, being burnt out does n- not equate more holiness. <laughs> like, you know what right, I mean? We right. are not more holy like, because we've decided oh, to keep going yes. and burn out. Like that is not automatically yes. a holy thing. Like we just need yes,
0: to. I, <laughs> yes. I, yes. I know I hear, I mean, I hear that so often and I remember, I mean, transparently, I remember picking up on those messages over the years that, that like the applause and the accolade and the like, I don't know how you do it all. And, you know, there are those implicit messages, um, that are just not helpful, but you're right. Like burnout is not a badge of honor. And to be honest, and I write about this in the book that I honestly, I don't think that God celebrates when we burn out. I think God grieves when we burn out. And I think, I, I think God grieves when we burn out. Um, and I think God is with us through those seasons of burnout and invites us to heal from Mm -hmm. that space
1: i mean i just think of sabbath right sabbath was god's example that his will is for us to rest so i think there's a very clear biblical case for the fact that god would rather us rest than burn out (laughs) And, and what does he say in scripture that you know man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man, right? It was not made as another law to uphold, but because literally God wanted to create a space for us and make it known um, that it's his will for us to have a space for rest. Um, yes. So right. yep. I think there's a very clear biblical case for that. <laughs>
0: yes, no, for sure. I do. And I actually, I do weave in Sabbath in this book too, yes. as one of the practices. Yes, and <laughs> are so on it. And, well, it's so, I mean, you know, it's, it's as a helper, it's good to remember, like, you know, if, if God had, had said like, I'm resting on the seventh day, like I, I mean, for us to then think like, well, I don't need that. I think is problematic. And I do want to still know that like, as I mentioned, like there are seasons where, you know, we, a Sabbath, a full day of rest may not be possible. I know there have been times in my life where a full day of rest was not possible. It's not happening. Um, and yeah. right. <laughs> and I think that there are opportunities to invite us then to reflect on that, to think about it and to consider what might be feasible. Like maybe a full day of rest is not feasible, but how can we weave in rest into our day-to-day or Set aside a couple of hours on, you know, on a weekend day to, mm-hmm. to really just be and and remember that our worth is not dependent but on our productivity. Yep. Um, Take those. Mentor- ways. I'm so much yes. better.
1: My work is so much better when I've rested. Like, yes. I I operate Same. better. I operate from strength. I'm more grounded. My best self is showing up. So I think it's great to just normalize the fact that rest your rest and your productivity go hand in hand. Like Mm -hmm. I really do believe that you are as powerful as your rest, so to speak. Yes.
0: yes. Yeah. I love that. That's the first time I've said that out
1: loud. It really
0: awesome. I love it. Go Brittany. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So good. Well, that
1: being said, you know, I'm so excited for your book and you know, just this whole conversation. If you guys want to hear more around this, go deeper into this conversation, as I think you should and we all should. Where can those who are listening grab the book? Um, what when does it release? And where can we stay connected to
0: you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, well again, Brittany, I just wanna thank you again for having me on the show. Um I just love this chat as always. So good to connect <laughs> with you. Um so Folks, the book is uh, will be released at the end of February and they can pre order it wherever they buy their books. Um, I have a link to all of those spaces. Um, uh, if, if folks go to the soul of the they will go straight to where all those links are. Um, and for those who pre order the book, there is a companion guide that goes with it Ooh. that includes like Um, There's some playlists in there that I have of music that I listened to when I wrote the book and there's a letter and a download and um, a facilitator guide. And then I also have um, like a reading, a recommended reading list too. So there's lots of goodies that go uh, with those, you know, for those who pre-order a copy, um, there's lots of goodies in the companion guide. Um, and then for folks who are interested in following along, uh, they can go to my website at hollyoxhandler.com. Um, I have a monthly newsletter that they can sign up for. And um, and then I also have a, um, a podcast that we have had you on before. Yeah, she does. Um, <laughs> and that is at um, cxmhpodcast.com. Um, and you know, again, I would just say, you know, folks can go listen to Brittany's episode on there and, um, or whatever else, but (laughs) I know, I know we need to bring you back on, but, um, yeah, yeah,
1: but it's great. Another faith and mental health, another Christian or faith and mental health based podcast. Um, if you you guys enjoy this podcast, you are going to also really love their podcast for sure.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, those are some some spaces. And like I said, the the title of the book is "The Soul of the Helper: Seven Stages to Seeing the Sacred Within Yourself, So You Can See It in Others." And I hope you know, folks, go pick up a copy. Yeah, on left one.
1: We'll have all of those links in the show notes below, as usual, guys. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us today, Holly. Um, and uh, oh, we will. If this conversation or any other conversation has been helpful or inspirational or what have you, please feel free to leave a review in the review section. Hit me up if there's something we want to hear more about. I'm sure we'll have Holly back another time. Um, Mm -hmm. And thanks again, guys. Until next time.